Uh, we're speaking from this verse, little children, keep yourselves from idols. And uh, the question, of course, is it possible that a believer can become idolatrous? And evidently it is. Uh, because uh, he warns us here about it. And in 1 Corinthians 5.11, he says, If any man that is called a brother be an idolater, and he mentions other things, uh, do not keep any company with him or don't even eat with him. There is such a thing as biblical separation. And uh, so idolatry is certainly a reason to break fellowship uh, with a man that is called a brother. Now, the number one problem that God had with Israel was idolatry. The first and second of the Ten Commandments warn against idolatry. Thy shalt have no other gods before me, and I shall not make unto thee any graven image. So God hates idolatry. He said he is a jealous God, and he does, is not willing to share worship with anyone else. Uh, the question, though, is, do we have idols today? Uh, little children, keep yourselves from idols. An idol is defined as an image of great love or admiration. So using that definition, I think it is possible that uh, we would have idols even as believers. Let me list a few tonight in the message. The first idol, I think, is profit. The Bible says in Colossians 3 and verse 5, covetousness, which is idolatry. So not only do the two, first two commandments speak against idolatry, but the tenth commandment, thou shalt not covet, also relates to idolatry because the Bible says covetousness is idolatry. And I believe that is a God in America, as I made reference to this morning, that... Uh, uh, as seemingly, if the economy is good, if people are making money, uh, the condition of the nation morally seemingly don't matter. But I want to say that the moral condition of America is far more important than the economy uh, in the long term. And we need to understand that. I'm not against it, uh, having uh, good economic conditions. Don't misunderstand me. I'm glad that things uh, seemingly are going well. Uh, for uh, the majority of people, evidently. But uh, the Bible tells us that this can become a God. In Matthew chapter 6, uh, the Lord Jesus there, speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, in verse 19 through 21, he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Now we know that is true. And the Bible said, don't lay up treasures on earth, uh, because uh, the rust eats it up, the moth gets the clothing, and the thieves break through and steal. I was listening to the news, and there was a church in, uh, where was Charlotte? Somewhere. Uh, and they had uh, raised about uh, $3,000 for the youth of the church to go to camp, and someone broke in and stole it. I thought, what a sorry g scoundrel uh, that... Uh, 
uh, that would steal from the church. But we live in a day when there's no fear of God, uh, seemingly, and the Bible predicted such a time. But uh, the thieves break through and steal it. Well, he says, lay up treasures in heaven. Thieves can't get there, and the rust and the moth uh, doth not corrupt it. Uh, this is good advice. Ezekiel 14, 3 says, they set up idols in their heart. Now, we don't have to bow down to uh, carve a god out of wood or stone or cast one out of metal and bow down and worship that idol to be idolatrous. The Bible said they set up idols in their heart. A person can have a, an idol of great love and admiration in their heart and that thing come between them and God. You know, uh, uh, the Lord said, If any man come after me and hate, not his father or his mother, and so forth, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Well, did Jesus mean for us to hate our father and mother? He, in other scriptures, he tells us we ought to love. Husbands, love your wives, and love your children, and children, love your parents, and so forth. And then why would the Lord say hate? Because it is possible for somebody or something that we love to come between us and the Lord and become an idol. And our love for God ought to outweigh any love for man or anything else in the sense that it would even seem as hate in comparison. Well, we're told to lay up treasures in heaven there. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, the book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 6, and we have God's warning there. Verse, uh, verse uh, number 5. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 5. Perverse disputants of men are corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. You know, the, the Lord does not measure success in dollars and cents. You have that taught all through the Bible. He gives the parable about the rich young ruler, and he says uh, there to take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. But you know, society measures success in, in those terms. But God does not do that. And he doesn't measure success that way. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, so he says, you're better to be godly than to be rich, really. We brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You can't carry it out. Whatever we get, we'll leave behind. Whatever we've got, someone else had it before we got here. You know, I heard of a, an individual that, that they just couldn't get enough land. They bought land, they bought land, they bought land, and they, they just seemed to couldn't get enough. But one day, they died and left it. All they had amassed in their lifetime, they had to say goodbye to it. He says, we're not going to carry anything out. You've never seen a U-Haul truck fall in a hearse, have you? And uh, because we don't take it with us. But he says... Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich, why does he warn us against it? They that will be rich fall into temptation 
and a snare and the many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Success has ruined, has ruined America in, in, in the sense of godliness, in the sense of dedication to the Lord. It's, uh, it's caused many of a person to get away from God and away from church. Now he said, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now he didn't say money was the root of all evil. He said the love of money is the root of all evil. There's nothing wrong with having money as long as it doesn't become an idol. But the danger in having money is it can become adulterous. And it can become that of great love and admiration until a person lives for it. Someone said that uh, their goal in life was to make a million dollars and said they finally achieved that goal and they had a million dollars. But said the desire to get two million was twice as bad as one million. When they got one million, that wasn't enough. Someone said, how much is enough? A little more. <laughs> You know, it don't satisfy, does it? You can never get enough. And when a person, their whole life is driven and, and they love it and, and they worship it and they're consumed by it, then it becomes an idol in one's life. And uh, we, we can get distracted there. He says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. We're, we're warned, of course, to, to not be sluggard and not be... Uh, unwise in the use of money, but at the same time, we're not to uh, set our affection on it, we're not to be consumed by it, and we're not to worship it. So he says, a little children, keep yourselves from idols. Then, uh, then second of all, there's the idol of pleasure. Not only profit, but the idol of pleasure. This world has gone pleasure crazy. If you don't believe that, this uh, just go to the places that sell things for pleasure. Boats, campers, vacations, uh, uh, you just name it. I mean, pleasure. People trying to have fun doing something. I've told you, we're strange, aren't we? We're really kind of strange people. A person have made, let's say, a five-room house, maybe a bath or two in the house. Everybody got their own room. They uh, pack everything in a suitcase, take off and get in a motel, and everybody scrouge in together in one room and, and uh, live out of a suitcase and say, Boy, I'll tell you, we're having fun. We are strange. <laughs> uh, I guess a change of scenery is, is good and necessary. I don't know. The older my wife says we need that, but... Uh, I think the older I get, uh, the less interested I become in, in uh, traveling and doing, <laughs> doing that sort of thing. Uh, but, but pleasure, pleasure has become a god. And it can be. Out of, uh, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 4, they'd be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now, he didn't say there was, it was wrong to have pleasure. I didn't say it's wrong to go fishing or go hunting or... Uh, yeah, that's about the only thing worth doing, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, whatever, whatever you enjoy, really, whatever suits you. Uh, not necessarily anything wrong with it, 
But he says if you love that, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. If you love that more than you love God, then it becomes a sin. That's when it's an idol. And God hates idolatry and he warns us against idolatry. 1 Peter 4 verse 3, For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Well, he describes that part in life, that drunken, partying, uh, doping, uh, dance whole life. I'll tell you, I have no interest in that. God saved us away from that. Thank God he does that. But uh, uh, that certainly would be idolatry. And in Hebrews eleven twenty five, talks about Moses there choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Is there pleasure in sin? Yes. If they're wanting, they won't be making so much money on it. I think of the ball games that are primarily sponsored by the beer industry. And you know why, listen, you know why they can pay those big bucks for, uh, to sponsor those, those events? Uh, because there's a lot of people buying their product. You know why a lot of people's buying their product? Because there's pleasure in sin for a season. It's only temporary pleasure, isn't it? You get drunk this weekend, you get no effects from it. Next weekend, you've got to get drunk again, right? You've got to go back to the bottle. You've got to go back to the beer cans. It don't satisfy. There's only pleasure in sin for a season. And that's true about all sin. It's true about drugs. It's true about alcohol. It's true about illicit relations and on and on you can go. There's pleasure in sin for a season. But I want to tell you, it isn't worth the price. Little children, keep yourself in the idol of profit. Keep yourself in the idol of pleasure. And then the idol of passion. Passion. Uh, the, you don't have to be very smart to understand we've got a major problem with this. And... Uh, they say that half of marriages now end in divorce. And the tragedy is that, uh, that the majority of second marriages don't survive as long as the first. And you know why? Because people marry for the wrong reason. They call me an old fogey. You're behind the times. You know, my preaching is that boys and girls ought to keep their hands to themselves. And because of, uh, you know, it... it holding the hands and then uh, that don't mean, that don't, nothing to that and then putting your arm around the girl and there's nothing to that and then you got to kiss the girl and after a while it's nothing to that and, and you know what, you know what happens, don't you? You know, you know, that's the way the devil is. See, he just gradually, it's little by little by little. Where do you draw the line? I say draw the line up front and uh, when there's still some control of the passion and the lust. But a lot of people, they get involved in, they get involved in the petting. You know the old-fashioned preachers, they preached against petting. It's what they called it. And, and uh, they, 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 they knew more than we do, evidently, because they had better success in those days than we're having now. And what they were warning against is that, is that people get involved in the physical thing and they end up marrying for the wrong reason. And the marriages do not last. But 
This has become a God, seemingly. Uh, you know, you don't have to turn on the television to realize that, uh, that this is an idol, this thing of passion. Uh, I mean, they can't even sell a box of washing patterns without a nearly naked woman. Uh, we're sick, aren't we? We are a society that is sick and consumed by idolatry. And this is one of them. Uh, Romans 1.24 says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. You know, why, you know why I'm concerned about America? I'm concerned that God's given up on us, what I'm concerned about. Because the things that were happening and described in Romans chapter 1 is happening today. You go on and read it. Men with men, women with women, reprobate minds, Seemingly all people, what they just want to fill their minds with trash and filth uh, constantly. And they tell me that these satellite dishes that you can pick up about anything under heaven on those things. And uh, uh, people are consumed by lust and passion. And the Lord said, I want to warn you. I want to warn you about this, about the lust. Don't be consumed by it. Don't get involved in it. God gave them up. What does James 1, 14, 15 says? Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That's, a, that's, that's not the road I want to travel, is it you? That's the road I don't want to take. When lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bring forth death. People say, well, that doesn't bother me. I don't believe that. Man's attracted by what he sees. If you're a normal man, you're affected by your eyesight. And there's not a normal man can look at a half-naked woman and not keep his mind pure. That's why ladies need to keep their clothes on. Lest they attract the lust of men. And, uh, but he tells us that lust bring forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. People say, that man shouldn't have a dirty mind. I'm not trying to justify the man. It's wrong to sin. But uh, the woman's not guiltless if she intentionally attracts the lust. And the Bible says it brings sin, but when it's finished, brings forth death. Second Peter 2, 14, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. That's what Jesus taught, wasn't it? He says, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery with her already in your heart. And mark it down. A man that, that entertains in his mind for any period of time, it won't be long till he'll be engaged in the sin itself, in the act itself. Both are adultery. But the Bible says, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. Is it possible for Christians to be involved in this sin? Sure it is. Look at the churches that have fallen. Look at the pastors that have fallen. You say, well, they were lost. Well, I'm not going to say that. David is a saved man, and David did a terrible sin. And we don't justify our sin by David, you know, and say, well, David sinned, so I can say, no, God put that in the Bible to keep us from doing it. He didn't, you know, to, to be warned by it. And so... Uh, it's possible. He says, eyes full of adultery. 
1 Peter 2.11 said, Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So this idol, I believe, is, is, can, can be and uh, certainly should not be in our life, this idol of passion or lust. And then number four, there's the idol of pride. You know, it all begins with pride. It started with Satan, didn't it? And pride goes before destruction, the Holy Spirit before a fall. We have the illustration there in 1 Samuel 15 where God sent Saul to destroy the Amalekites. And uh, he uh, uh, came back and brought away Gag alive, and the best of the sheep in the auction. You know why he spared his life? Pride. And he lost the kingdom. It cost him the kingdom. But it started with pride. And in verse 23 it says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Think of that. Rebellions like witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Are you stubborn? Sometime I'm stubborn. Huh. Where stubbornness come from? Pride. We're full of pride. I guess men uh, have more problems with it than women. I don't know. Uh, you ladies have to enlighten me, I guess, but... Uh, Men are, I guess, by nature stubborn. And uh, stubbornness, he said, is like idolatry. I don't want to be involved in idolatry. You have in, Jan or in Daniel chapter 4, rather, uh, the story of Nebuchadnezzar. You know Nebuchadnezzar, Saddam Hussein's idol. Saddam Hussein wanted to rule the world like Nebuchadnezzar did. He didn't get very far, did he? Of course, we hadn't heard the last of him. And I said that back during the war. We hadn't seen the last of, of, uh, of Iraq or Babylon. Uh, they play a part yet in the future of things. And, but uh, uh, that was his great goal. But Nebuchadnezzar, he needs to read the Bible and what, what the Bible talks about Nebuchadnezzar there. You know, Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2, I believe it is, he had this vision. And God gave him that vision and, and he saw this image and it had a head of gold and breasts and arms of silver and, and then the brass and, and then the iron and the wood, the iron and, and the, the uh, uh, can't even think of the name now, I'll think of it in a minute anyway, uh, the feet of part of iron and part of clay. There, I got it, uh, part of clay. And, uh, but uh, Daniel interprets the vision and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. But then another kingdom will arise inferior to you. Silver is inferior to gold and on down the line. Old Nebuchadnezzar thought and he, he thought man. So he made him an image all of gold. He thought I'll fix that. Uh, we're not going to let any other kingdom come in but of course it did in spite of him, what he thought and what he planned because God, God always has his way. And uh, then he has another vision of this tree. And these birds coming in it, and, and then the trees cut down and all that. And, and uh, Daniel is brought and makes known to him the, the interpretation of that dream. And he says, God is going to take your kingdom from you. And uh, you have become proud. And he said, you need to humble yourself and, and uh, seek God and so forth. But one day he walked out on his on his uh, palace there in the porch of his palace and he looked out over great Babylon and uh, it was a magnificent city no doubt 
In fact, it is said that he married a wife that was from the mountains, somewhere in that part of the world, and, and uh, she was lonely. She was homesick for the mountains, so he built a mountain to make her feel more at home. He walks out and looks at Babylon and said, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. And he was given in that, in that hour the mind of the beast. He went out and ate grass with the cows, the oxen, and, and his fingernails grew like bird's claws and, and his hair like eagle's feathers. The great, mighty Nebuchadnezzar Saddam Hussein should read this whole story. And he says, for seven years, until you realize the most high rules in the kingdom of men, and he puts over it who he will. But pride. I'm concerned about America tonight because we have become proud. We don't think we need God anymore. But we need God more than we ever needed him. Amen. And we live on, I think, the consciousness of that, of course, I don't think it's really shocked America at all, but or very little. India exploded nuclear, you know, tested nuclear weapon, and then Pakistan comes along and they test theirs. I wonder how many more nations have got them, are going to get them. Here we are, you know, with the capability of destroying the human race with nuclear power. And we care nothing seemingly for God in America anymore. We become proud. Pride goes before destruction. Hardy spirit before a fall. James 4, 6 and 1 Peter 5, 5 says, God resisteth the proud. Then finally, number five, philosophy. Romans 1, 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. 2 Timothy 3, 7, ever learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Colossians 2.8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Education. I'm for education. We've had a Christian school all these years. I believe in education. But I want to tell you, education is not the cure for what ails the world. People say, oh, we need, all we need is just to educate people. More education. And again, I'm not against education. We need education. But if you think that's the answer, then you've, you've badly deceived. If you think education is just going to cure, all we need to do to solve crime and solve all the problems of America and the world. If we can just educate people, that will solve all the problems of the world. Is that right? We're more educated than we've ever been. And there's more sin and wickedness than, than, you know, than's ever been, no doubt, or at least as much. You know where the problem is? The problem in education, problems in the heart. And they say the thing we need to do is stop illegitimacy. We just need sex education in the school. We just need to educate people. If we can educate people, we can solve the problem. <laughs> we got some mixed up people, haven't we? I think all we need is just education. But that isn't the problem. The problem is the heart of man. Man, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
You can educate a person all you want to educate them, but unless you change the heart, they're going to sin. That's what they're going to do. They just may learn better how, you know, they may be more educated and able to do it, hide it a little better, but uh, people's going to sin unless they get born again. And then they're not going to live in sin continuously if they're saved without the judgment of God. But philosophy, he said they'd be ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. As I mentioned this morning, the survey said Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. I've got a little statistic somewhere stuck away that where they interviewed some college kids and, uh, and they were asking them to name the four Gospels and they, a large percentage could not name the four Gospels. Some said that an epistle was the wife of an apostle. <laughs> we, have, we have people that have great knowledge but have great ignorance of spiritual things. Philosophy. Ever learning and yet never able to understand the truth. 1 Corinthians one twenty one. The world by wisdom knew not God. You don't analyze God in a test to. The world by wisdom, not earthly wisdom. And that's amazing. You know, people that have PhDs and you give them a Bible and they're they as mixed up. They have no understanding of this this word of God. They have a lot of earthly wisdom, a lot of knowledge. But you talk to them about spiritual things and they have no comprehension of spiritual truth. You may think, listen, and sometimes I've been hesitant and maybe talk to a doctor or lawyer or someone like that. And uh, you think, man, they're so, they're so wise, so knowledgeable, I don't know anything. And, and you may feel somewhat hesitant to talk to them about the Lord. But you, listen, they know about as much about the Bible as you do about medicine, probably. Most of them know very little about spiritual things. I remember years ago, I was talking to a doctor I went to, and, and he knew I was a pastor, and, and uh, he says, he said, I, he said, I just can't understand. In his mind, he said, I don't believe anybody ought to go to hell. Uh, you know, I don't believe anybody is that bad. I said, they don't have to. Had an opportunity to witness to him, give him the gospel. I said, they don't have to. God, Jesus, made a way out. And if a person goes to hell, they go by their own choice. But we don't know God by that, by worldly wisdom. The world knew not God. 1 Corinthians 10, 14, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. 